Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Excuse the Mess and this very special Extra Mess episode. My name is Ben Corrigan and I'm the host of this podcast and this is a first for me and Excuse the Mess. We're in the very picturesque Stroud, a rural town in Gloucestershire. You're joining me on the way to St. Lawrence Church armed with various Zoom recorders and fluffy windbreakers. This church will quite literally be the altar on which a new ambitious classical music festival will take place. And every single person that I met, from the build artists to the follically challenged door staff, were in really high spirits. I'm afraid you can come in, the hamster's got to stay. <laughs> Do you want to borrow it? <laughs> yeah. I'll put my head later. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first ever Hidden Notes Festival. And judging by these happy customers, it won't be the last Hidden Notes Festival. Hobus and Adam Hinks, the creators of this festival, contacted me out of the blue really and invited me along to interview a handful of the artists, some of the people in the labels associated with them and to generally capture the spirit of the whole weekend. And of course I said yes. I was also really up for trying this new angle with the podcast. So by way of introducing the artists on the lineup, I'm going to play back some of the recordings that I made whilst watching all of these gigs. Just short snippets from each of the artists' set, recorded from the back of the church on my humble handheld Zoom mic. It's obviously not the best recording in the world, but I do think it captures a really nice atmosphere of what was experienced in the church over the weekend. So we're already listening to some Manu Delago. Daniel Pioro and Valgir Sigerson. Hattis Noe. Hattis Noe. 
Sebastian Plano. Emily Levinez Farouche. listening and finally Spindle Ensemble the opening act of the last day of the festival Just before jumping into some interviews, I should say that this is the first of two parts of the Hidden Notes special. The second one will be coming out in about five weeks. The reason being is that next week is actually the launch of Series 2 of this podcast. And if you're interested, the guest will be electronic artist Gold Panda. The normal format of this podcast is that there's a more extended interview with the artist. You'll hear quite a lot of their music through the episode. But also there's a bit of a twist in that, well, I'm a composer and electronic musician, so with each guest I will co-write a track with them in a matter of hours using one instrument. So you really get to witness composition unfolding and how some of these great artists tick when they're writing. Now the first interview I had at Hidden Notes was with the Saturday night headliner, Manu DeLago. And as it happens, Manu was the very first artist that I ever got on this podcast. We recorded his episode in September 2017, so it was great to have a catch-up and talk about what he's been up to recently. Most of these chats took place in the back room of a really brilliant record shop called Sound Records. It was run by two absolutely lovely guys, Tom and Sean, who couldn't have been more accommodating. So I just wanted to say a special thank you to them for letting us set up shop in their shop. And just after this raucous ending from Spindle Ensemble, that's where we'll be, chatting to Manny Delago. So welcome to the, um, the headquarters, the office for the weekend. Um, uh, how have you been, man? Uh, yeah, really good. We just started touring. We are now three shows in. Out yeah. of 18, and it's great fun. Yeah, I've um, got an ensemble of nine musicians, which is the, the biggest I've ever had. And yeah. it's, it's really great fun from, from a touring perspective, it's a great group, but also from a writing perspective, it was really, really fun for me because I like writing for big groups. But my problem with orchestras is that you can never actually rehearse and develop music as long as you want to. I mean, you have like yeah. hardly any rehearsal time. And then maybe one or two performances and in a way this ensemble is like a small orchestra. I got like three strings and three wind instruments. Like there's a brass, there's a 
two woodwinds and three percussionists. So it feels like writing for orchestra, but yeah. but you can actually rehearse yeah. and develop on tour and, and make it, yeah, just make it better every so day and, and have fun together and grow. And it's, yeah. it's really good fun. It's best of both worlds, really, isn't it? You're a band, but also big enough to yeah. get those big and varied sounds. <clears throat> I think from a performing aspect, I mean, I love electronic music and I, I love listening to it and also creating it in a way, but just from the, the pure aspect of performing on stage, I think playing real instrument, like real acoustic instruments is still my favorite thing. It's just yeah. so direct, you get direct response from the instruments, direct dynamics and, and yeah, it's just, I think also people really appreciate it, especially these days when there's so much laptop music out there yeah. when, when people actually play old school instruments. You know? yeah. It, it's yeah, something yeah. old school about it's it, weird. but I really like yeah. it. There's something a bit plastic about electronic performances and it's hard to break through that if you're making that sort of music because what are you going to show people you've got like something behind a screen what are your hands doing but whereas you've got an ensemble it's just visually yeah. more interest i mean it's nothing new obviously this has been <laughs> done for <laughs> hundreds of years but yeah. still i think i found a, a new fresh approach to it especially with the instruments we have a lot of weird percussion sounds that kind of sound electronic anyway and also the only electronic well the only electricity we use is for playing the lights so the three oh, percussionists cool. on stage control all the lights on stage and i really wanted the lights to be in sync and in rhythm with yeah. the music so that's sort of another element or another layer to the music that i think is a bit unusual i think you've played with that idea before but with a smaller ensemble and it's amazing yeah exactly i mean i've incorporated lights into the music a few times before but now it's definitely bigger weirdly the ensemble became more organic and acoustic but the lights became <laughs> even more like electronically digitally controlled by humans in a way so I'm so excited to see i quite that. like that approach. yeah brilliant so you're playing circadian which is the new album that's out exactly we mainly play pretty much play the whole album except one track and then some new arrangements of old tracks, I would say, yeah, okay. have been with me for many years and we present them in a slightly new light, I suppose. Yeah. And this is from his performance later that evening. It's called Dream. The album's got a really lovely concept. Yeah, I mean, circadian, basically based around circadian rhythms, our human biological rhythm or biological clock. And I mainly based it around the theme of night and dreams and sleep, because this is a very important part of the day for me and I think for all humans. It's something that we don't know that much about. I think, I mean, I didn't learn anything about sleep in school and even though we do it for pretty much a third of our life. this yeah. We don't really know much about it or learn much about it. So true. And I was touring a lot last year and had some lack of sleep issues. And But I realized that basically as long as I sleep enough or get some sleep somehow, I can cope with most things, travel, disturbances or whatever. And then basically it's just a, an ode to, to sleep and yeah little message for everyone that if people sleep enough then I think yeah. a lot of problems will be solved do you, do you want people to put your album on and go to sleep with it yeah I could do I mean it is a, it's a short version because it it has a, a cheeky 
um, upbeat track at the end, which <laughs> is kind yeah. of like the alarm clock. So, yeah. but these days people mainly listen on Spotify anyway. So if you want to use my album to go to sleep, then I recommend <laughs> not uh, using the last track. Yeah, that's, that's the alarm <laughs> clock in the morning. It would make a really good phone alarm, actually. Yeah. This is Zeitgeber. track of Delta Sleep which is 21 minutes long. When I recorded it and edited it and mixed it and I was definitely falling asleep a few times so yeah. that's certainly a track that I think people yeah. can um, fall asleep to. That, that one was recorded really late at night wasn't it? You kind of yeah. entered that space. We tried it in the studio first but we didn't really achieve the vibe that I wanted so I, t I booked an ensemble of six percussionists who can play incredibly quiet. We booked a basement recording studio, it was more like a venue actually, where it was really, really quiet. And we recorded between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. We did five takes, because the track is 21 minutes long, yeah. we couldn't do that many takes. It needs really high attention. And around 4.30 a.m. we recorded the magic take oh, of cool. Delta Sleep, and yeah. I named it Delta Sleep live at 4.33 a.m. Yeah. with a little dedication to Tom, John Cage's silence piece. I hadn't really clocked that, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely van. Yeah, I suppose most people would be silent, albeit for some snoring at that time. Yeah. yeah, well luckily we managed to get it pretty quiet at that time. There were no, no noises from anywhere around us. So yeah. It was quite a magic recording session because yeah. we had loads of candles on and, and really tried to get that nocturnal, special dreamy vibe. Yeah. And that was what, four takes in. Yeah, there was the magic take. Yeah, I suppose it's quite a hypnotic piece, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's really it hard to play. I mean, it's, it's very minimal, but you have to be so attentive and so in in the focus and so in the the right mindset to play it. Yeah. it's it is percussion, but the most gentle percussion I could sort of think of. Yeah, basically. This is the album recording of Delta Sleep, brackets live at four thirty three a.m. process what headspace were you in when you were writing this music was it sleep deprivation it was after a long year of touring so in 2018 I had four tours in America and tours in Asia and Africa and Australia I was really just traveling pretty much the whole year so in December at the end of the year I booked the studio for a whole month and just set up all my instruments and really created that time and space for being creative again because okay. yeah. I didn't have that on tour and it was actually super cold outside and a lot of snow, so I had this, it was very much a, a cozy, warm mm -hmm. feeling, yeah. which was also different from what I did before, Parasol Peak, which yeah. was recorded on a mountain where it was opposite. freezing. And yeah, I just used that, it was like a playground for me and super nice and warm and cozy. And the music happened, I mean, when I started I was working on various ideas at the same time, there were some electronic things, some solo tracks, some ensemble music. But then after a few days in, I realized that I wanted to create one, one organic sound world that goes through the whole album. And it ended up being this 
ensemble or small orchestra or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah, and uh, you brought in some interesting percussion things, didn't you? And yeah, you gathered them from your touring, is that right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, on these trips I brought some gongs back from Vietnam and some like a crystal harp from Russia and a thing called aquadrum from Turkey and actually some, some temple blocks on this track which are more used in Western orchestral music. Mm -hmm. What else? Like these Indonesian anklung, these like uh, bamboo yeah. sticks, tuned bamboo sticks. So it was a really, I found just a lot of interesting sounds and I think that gave the album the, kind of like the special character that makes some people think that it is an electronic, that there are electronic yeah. sounds, but it's all acoustic basically. Yeah, there's some really <clears throat> nice effects. The owl wings mm -hmm. in the silent flight of an owl. Yeah, this is a track that starts with a pattern of three clarinets. Basically, I, I wrote it in a way as if there were three clarinets with a delay pedal, but there is no delay pedal because I didn't use any electronic effects. So it's, they're basically playing all these delay sounds yeah. live. And I also added some of this Russian crystal harp to it. Some, some other sounds like this calabash from Mali gets added and some small metal percussion bits. All really cool sounds that yeah. I found basically. And, I'm really happy with the sound world and it's what makes me super happy is now that we can actually play life and I'm not I don't have to worry how I create this live sound life or worry yeah. about playbacks or click or stuff like that. It's yeah. just we can basically play this music now. Yeah. I suppose a lot of your life is clicks because of the heavy electronics involved with like a Bjorktel. True, yeah, I do play a lot of gigs where there is a click in my in ears and for my own ensemble we, we don't use in ears, we don't click use click tracks so yeah. It is quite refreshing yeah. to play, it does feel very different. Yeah, it's almost this thing that hangs over most musicians is the click track, but now mm. yeah, you've freed yourself, it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you going to create that cosy vibe? Maybe partly with the, the lights and the visuals, they sort of are really, they go with the theme of the album, I mean, the lights are in the, in the same colours, which is a lot of warm orangey and sort of purpley yeah. tones. And yeah. Also, the visuals are all sort of tying in with the design of the album. Mm. It's like the owl, obviously, that is on the album back, and then also the visuals. So I, I think the live show goes really well with, with that. And also the, the sound world of the clarinet and the accordion, there's a lot of warmth yeah. in the sound also. I kind of consciously chose that sound world also yeah. for the yeah. theme. Oh man, I'm really excited to hear it live. I'm sure you will make it cozy. Um, it's a beautiful album, thanks again smashing out good music. Um, Parasol Peak, that sounded like I was closing up, didn't it? But yeah, Parasol Peak is the opposite of this album. An extreme adventure and quite a challenge. Do you think you'll ever do anything that's as hard as that? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not going to repeat anything on the mountain like this, yeah. I'm sure, because I'm very happy with how Parasol Peak went. But I'm also aware that we were very lucky that no injuries or anything worse happened. It was quite a high risk what yeah. we did and I'm super grateful for, for Parasol yeah. Peak. But it's done and, and I'm glad that people can now watch it in their cozy living rooms and enjoy it. But for me that is done. I do want to like, keep creating music in, in various settings and just add elements that are unusual. So there might be something coming up in the future but I'm, nothing is confirmed. Yeah, there's always something secret with you. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Good luck with the tour and yeah, I'm really excited to see you headline day one of Hidden Notes Festival. Yeah, I look yeah. forward. Looks like a great lineup. So. Yeah. Cool man. Um, cool. Yeah, cheers for coming and chatting with me. Pleasure. Again. 
Pleasure, pleasure. Anytime. Helping launch the next thing again. Always you. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. Really nice to see you. Yeah. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah. Is it Mandel that has kind of brought you back onto the stage yeah. to perform? Yeah, yeah, well, the choir. Yeah, that's true. Has, but Mandel has got my fiddle out and basically allowed me to feel like I can sit at a piano and play yeah. and not feel like a fraud. Uh -huh. I mean, I haven't yeah. entirely got there, but I'm pretty much there now. <laughs> Um, we both suffer quite extremely from imposter syndrome. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to the breakdown then, on stage. But we so. don't actually really care. Yeah, no, I think about everyone at the end of the day. <laughs> everyone's in that boat, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the thing about Mandel is that because we improvise every Monday morning and all the pieces come from the improvisations, we're not going to play something in an improvisation that's out of character with sure. what we play, you know. So all the violin writing, for example, is very much stuff that I like yeah. to do is very organic. I think there's yeah. an element of writing in that way that, that I certainly find that um, takes the intellect and the, and the ego out of it. So you're not kind of trying to think of the coolest thing to play or the best yeah. thing to say. Yeah. Or like you, so you're not making music with your brain, you're making it with your, I don't know, with your heart, I guess, or yeah. whatever's kind of naturally coming out. And that feels like a completely different way of making music. Yeah. And I definitely don't think I would have thought of some of the music that we so if I just sat down, I would in, not have composed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is this for both of you? Improvisation is very different to like what you've done in the past. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's different. I mean, the way I write songs is by singing in front of a dictaphone. Mm -hmm. So that is how I do it anyway. And then I listen back. I mean, yes, definitely that whole. Can you write a piece for mixed ensemble? you know, Sinfonietta line up, that's hard to relate to now because that's yeah. the kind of like, right, what am I going to do? What's my concept? Yeah. What's, my, what's, my, what's my harmonic yeah. field? You know, that is a very, very different way and I've mm. certainly composed a lot like that in, yeah. my, in my past. Not so recently, mm. actually. But um, the other thing I was going to say is it's not like um, the music Mandel is making doesn't come into the composing realm because sure. it does then go on Sibelius so it kind of goes through that stage mm -hmm. as well yeah not always but with certainly yeah. with yeah. half of our, our pieces yeah. it kind of goes yeah. through that stage it gets tweaked which is really, nice really you know it's nice to do that as well yes yeah, so, yeah it's probably quite nice to analyze what's just come from you yeah. unconsciously yeah and how it fits together mm -hmm. as well yeah. It's very rare that we will just improvise and that's the piece, obviously. I mean, it's generally like bits that have happened in, the, in a half an hour improvisation. We might find like maximum 10 minutes of music that might not necessarily have happened consecutively. Yeah. Then, and then we craft that into the, yeah. those bits. It's a lovely um, process. It is such guys, a nice process. Do you like your Monday mornings? How, mm. how long do you get together for? And... Well, at least a couple of hours. Yeah, a couple yeah. of hours. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a music therapist for my job, so I feel like it's oh, kind right. of my own. It's like part yeah. of that. It's, it's, it's quite therapeutic, actually. It's very therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a nice transitioning moment from the piece that Emily and Misha mentioned, Mini Suite. is a very supportive audience yeah. I must say and obviously yeah. there's a lot of our friends within that audience so yeah. it's been really great actually yeah 
kind of unfolding with the supportive audience. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know, you don't want a bad experience early on, do yeah. you? It's yeah. better to kind of grow and then to go a little bit further. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where we're at now. And we've been really lucky with the spaces because so, we've been able to perform in churches with really good sound. Mm -hmm. My background is much more kind of pub gigging. It can be really challenging yeah. to meet alongside all the sound yeah. of the, of the yeah. pub crowd. Whereas, you know, we've been really lucky to kind of have like a very mm. attentive listening audience. Mm. And yeah. D&B audio. And D&B audio, yeah. yeah and amazing, amazing sound systems and amazing. Yeah. So it's been really yeah. like a real treat for us mm. to kind of, we've been picking our gigs quite yeah. select, yeah. being quite selective about yeah. when and how we play. Sure, yeah. Are, are you a more folksy player, I'm assuming, being yeah. from a pub background and... Kind of all in there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I went, yeah. You were at and I was at York, quite similar. Yeah. Kind of experimental. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, I was wrong. Was yeah, wrong. no, but, yeah. but then I have played in folk bands for many years as well. Okay. So yeah. alongside, so I've kind of got this quite. I quite like Diverse. bouncing around different yeah. genres. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. like it feeds different sides of me, I guess. Musically. Yeah, look forward to seeing what the results and combination of that yeah. is. Um, yeah. Emily, what's next for you with bedroom community and this kind of thing? Um, sorry to just. That's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna seven. pop outside oh, right. and okay. leave you guys to it. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. Don't go. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, Misha. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you uh, again, yeah. but properly. And yeah. Um, yeah, look forward to the set. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. No it's a really nice addition. Yeah, yeah great. Nice See you one. Later. Cheers. Yeah, so I've been working with Jodie Landau quite closely, although not geographically, because <laughs> he's in LA, and um, we've written three songs together. In a similar, it's almost like a kind of fully had, uh, I don't want to say sequel, but it's mm. in that kind of sound world. I think he asked me to use Vocoder, and actually the Electromagnetic Harp, I've used a little in one of the three songs as well. Um, so yeah, it's a collection of three songs that use different texts. Um, the first text is by Toby Litt, who I've worked with a lot. The next is, well I left social media, but before I did I made a note of my sort of environmental feed. It's a setting of this environmental feed in a very kind of rhythmic, regular way. Um, Vocoded. Can I ask what an environmental feed is? So, like, if you're following all environmental people, mm. you know, in like your George Monbiot, yeah. and just all concerned with the climate crisis, sure. basically, sure. it does kind of recreate that in a different way, in a sonic way, that feeling of reading one thing and then another and then another and then another and it all kind of even though you've moved okay. on to the next, it all kind of builds and layers and layers and then you need to. Sort yeah. of step away, okay, look away. Yeah. yeah, and that's how you felt about being yeah. on social oh, media. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's quite overwhelming in this day and age yeah. with everything that's that's coming to light now, you know, concerning the climate crisis. So anyway, it doesn't sound appealing the way I'm describing <laughs> it, but hopefully you can play a bit so wow. people can hear. Here is very much a peak. This is the first 15 seconds of the as-of-yet unmixed and unreleased Feed. Music is a campaign that deserves some extra momentum. Agreed, they want to whack a full 20% VAT on solar panels and batteries. Soaring, batteries, soaring, batteries, soaring. Some context, you pay 5% VAT on a sack of coal. You pay 9% VAT on a plant. Then the third and final one is a little bit of roomy, which is very much like a kind of a mantra because it's just the same lyric repeated over and over. It doesn't matter. As, as always, it's much better just to hear the music and, course, and not yeah. the description. But anyway, we're, we're releasing it next year with Bedroom Community, so I'm excited about that. And we're just at the stage now 
of planning. Cool. So. The, the final thing, climate change, climate crisis, and you're an advocate for culture declares emergency. I don't know if it's something necessarily you want to talk about Oh, definitely want to talk about it's it. It's a big topic, so, yeah. you know, briefly, I imagine lots of people listening to this are from a, you know, music-making art kind of background. Mm. They should know about culture declares emergency yeah, if they don't and already. Yeah, music declares emergency now, specifically for musicians. You know, you can declare and then it's got advice for musicians how to tour more um, carbon neutrally and how to, you know, things like merchandise and CDs and just talking about... It's got just That's really fantastic. solid advice, yeah. you know, on how to navigate yeah. being a musician yeah. within the context of what's going on. Um, but also, it's a place for musicians who are really feeling it to get together and find out how they can use their particular talents to to communicate in, a, in, a, in an effective way because mm. you know, there's, there's no one way of, of communicating no. you know you have to communicate it in many yeah. different ways to reach many different types of people and so. a supportive network is key to it's good yeah yeah and I mean actually loads of people have, if you look at you should declare actually yeah well um, you just literally go to the website yeah. and then you agree with the declaration you sign yeah. up and then they give you updates it's nice that there's a one point of contact that has obviously pulled a lot of important information into one place because sometimes it's hard to know where exactly to look mm. to find the best yeah, way to do yeah. something. So actually, it's, that's kind of in the world that we live in, a nice quick way to know how to make less of an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Negative yeah. impact yeah. on the environment. Yeah, yeah, it's very practical, actually. Yeah. It's a relief, actually, because a year ago, it felt like, what's going on? Why is nobody yeah. else? And now it feels like, okay, people are pretty much yeah. up to speed with this now. Well, a lot and has changed right, yeah, in, in a year. This year yeah. has been... Anyway, so we're sort of in a new zone with it, I think. We can kind of... Um, well, anyway, yeah. I don't want to go on about it. It's good to just <laughs> cast a small light on it. But that's brilliant. I mean, you know, looking forward to today. Yes. Hidden Notes Volume 1. Also, I just wanted to say, you know, this is a really exciting festival and... Alex yeah. and Adam have taken a huge risk actually by bringing all these artists together back to back over two days yeah. to little old Stroud. Yeah. I'm really rooting for them. I think they've done an amazing job and I'm really hoping it becomes a yearly event. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, we better get to the first gig. This is the Stroud Fringe Choir finishing the set with a piece of Emily's called So Far. split male and female and went down the sides of the church you can hear the male voices getting closer and closer to your left ear which is from where I was sat at the back left of the church
Right, so as Emily said, we had to dash off to go and see the first act of the festival. And it was group listening and I quite like this bit of music. Their concept is to do duo recreations of, of other people's music. And this is their interpretation of a track from a horror film called It Follows. Another artist making good use of bird call was friend of the podcast, Emily Levenez Farouche. She was the second act of the festival. spontaneous chat just amongst the hubbub of the church. Hopefully you can make out what we're saying. The film that she talks about is called Rocks. Lovely set earlier. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. We're one set away from the end now, but yes. yeah, have you enjoyed the day? Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, it's been mainly like a wonderful audience. People are just super nice, super warm. Yeah. You know, sometimes you play and there's just nothing coming back or not much coming back. But here it just really feel like people respond and there's like a real exchange. But yeah, you've taken the theme of hidden notes to a new level. I do not know what you're talking about. Emily. (laughs) Yes, yes, well. Come on, don't be shy, tell us. Well, it's a small scene and we know each other and to make it a bit of fun, we kind of leave each other's note when we don't play the same day so hopefully someone who I will not name will find a note when they perform tomorrow and it's going to be a nice surprise yeah I think that's really sweet I hope so you guys are cute (laughs) certainly a cutesy note so I hope no one else sees it Um, so other than that quick little debrief on life yeah I just uh, had a film which premiered at TIFF in Toronto a couple of weeks ago and it's coming to London Film Festival in one of the special presentation and that's directed by Sarah Gavron it's looking at the life of a group of London teenage girls and solidarity and friendship and how growing up facing it's facing some difficulties but it's a film that's never going into you know just trying to make it just sad and just like okay yeah exploitative it's really showing all the positive aspect and all the energy and all the the hope and community that there is 
yeah. as well as the slightly harder aspect of growing up as a teenage girl in London. Yeah. So it's, it's a lovely It sounds brilliant, yeah. And one final thing from you, what do you like about this festival? I mean, it's interesting because it does feel like it's a good example of how much there is an interest with this type of music, how much it's growing. Mm -hmm. People do want to see live music. I know in London it's impossible to like fill up any gig and it does give you the impression that people don't have that much interest for live music but as soon as you make the effort of just living East London and you offer this opportunity to other people, people want to see live music. So it's very encouraging that there are promoters out there who are going through the effort of hiring pianos and making mm -hmm. violins and making choirs, which I know is a lot of work compared to get it, you know, just getting a rock band. Yeah. But it, it's worth doing, and, and there's an audience for it. So yeah, yeah hopefully there'll be many more yeah. festivals. Okay. Well, yeah. Props to Hidden Notes. Uh, thank you. No worries. Yeah. And Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Enjoy Stroud, whatever yes. you have left of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't possible to speak to all the artists during the festival. And even if I had, then it would have been an insanely big podcast episode, probably around the five-hour mark. But as you heard before, with group listening, it'd be nice to include a few moments from each artist's set. So something beautiful from Daniel Pioro and Valgia Sergeson's set. something a whole lot more violent. Delago and his nine-piece ensemble closed off the night. anywhere there's one more interview to be had within this episode and it's with Robert Rath the founder and runner of the hugely successful record label Erase Tapes 
So stick around for a few more minutes of Manu, and then there will be a very short Acast ad. It's got to be done. And then jump straight into the interview with him, which is really interesting to get his point of view as someone that is kind of overseeing lots of artists. For your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Time for a chat with Robert Rath. There he is, making his way through to the back room of Sound Records. Um, yeah, hi there. Wow. I'm making coffee now. Did you want a coffee? A black coffee. Black coffee, yeah. Oh, Cheers, Sean. Oh, that's wicked. Yeah. I've never been in the back of a record shop. <laughs> it's it's true. Huh? I'm surprised at that, though. Imagine no, working in music too. Well, yeah, level. but they never invite me. You know, they're always trying to hide the secrets, I guess. <laughs> hide the filth. Yeah. Hide the grubby. Well, Should have seen it before we got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shame. Ben, you want a coffee as well? Yeah. I'll take coffee, thank you, yeah. Tom, is it alright to turn the music down? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. A bit of music in the background. <laughs> it, is, it does add a nice vibe, however. Yeah, we need to <laughs> edit it now. Editing gets um, tricky. This is. Oh, the yes. actual gift, that's not that a problem. Lovely, <laughs> that is a lovely gift. Yeah. Thank you very much bringing gifts for You're me. welcome. Ah, well, music. so kind. Give music to the people that, um, that like to listen. Yeah, well, this is some of my favourite music. Nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Hattis later. Yeah, it's really nice lovely. of you. So yeah, cheers for stopping by here. It's going to be a really nice episode, especially chatting to label people, not just artists as well, so yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Very excited to be in this back room of this wonderful uh, record shop. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I want to talk to you about Erase Tapes, really. The thing that's been 12 years of your life. That is right, yeah. 12 years a slave. <laughs> I keep, I keep yeah. joking with Ryan about that, but uh, yeah, no. I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. It's been a big success, really, hasn't it, Erase Tapes? Mm. And it seemed like the world was ready for it, you know. What do you think maybe the the reasons for that are? Well, you know, there's a time and place, I guess. Um, you know, the whole thing was born out of the digital phenomena of, you know, MySpace and SoundCloud and 
all those kind of new channels that opened up and connected people like myself with uh, like-minded people across the globe. And I think, yeah, that was just a magical moment where for a brief while you could actually um, explore unfiltered art and connect and nerd out about it and support each other. And that's basically it, you know. Yeah. It wasn't such a conscious, you know, business plan or something like that. Yeah. But there's um, a curation gone on there, which uh, across all the artists and across all the years, there's there's sort of um, not necessarily a genre. It's actually quite hard to put a genre onto it, but there's uh, like an energy or like a sonic aesthetic. How do you see that? Like, how would you describe what that is? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm thankful that you see it. <laughs> Oh, in a similar way. Um, <laughs> I always struggle because obviously people, they gravitate to tagging and, and putting something in a box. And, you know, we're attached to a couple of, what do you call them, hype hype words. But mm. um, but really it's just music, you know. And it's not just music as well. It's, I've got a, a visual art background. I guess that's why I can contribute. Um, but also I've got a decent pair of ears and I've always been just completely mesmerized by music and sound in general you yeah. know and I think that's a good combination you know you have yeah. someone who listens to your work you have someone who can visualize your work and someone who can raise question marks with you even identifying question marks sometimes people yeah. struggle with and yeah and then yeah and I guess 12 years down the line I would say the last maybe the last three four years all of a sudden it clicks with I think people's there's, some, there's something in people's lives that that is kind of asking for this type of thing to happen mm. and it's not you know people are trying to explain it with just a genre or a type of sound but i actually think it's the mindset and it's the spirit of it and and it's the combination of you know most of the artists on the race tapes are solo artists you know there's something really intimate about it like mm. a personal journey and struggle and so people can identify with that because the digital age made us all quite um as much as it connects us, it also yeah. splits us all up, you know. Yeah. But then realizing that, and I think in the race tips history, there definitely was a moment where I just got sick of that idea, mm. and I encouraged for us to do something about it and appear as a collective and collaborate and really support ensemble work, you know, like groups up to 18 people, like look at the Art Ensemble of Chicago, you know, mm. they've, they've been around for over 50 years and making music, but it's so amazing to see them opening up to this new generation of players and allowing them all on stage and it's almost like it's such a powerful gesture to not like build barriers and pretend that you've figured it all out and it's a secret to the yeah. world yeah. you know we're all connected and I, and I think there's something in that whole thing even the fact that I run the label by myself or while I struggled with that idea because I'm not really a you know, I, I questioned if that's a good idea because I don't want it to be just about my musical sure. taste, you know. And then it was just, it was really thanks to friends and people that understood that that is also just really pure, you know. Mm. And, and actually that enables people to connect with it better because it isn't like a really diluted company effort, yeah. you know. Yeah. It is kind of my journey, but it's also all of us, you know. And of course, yeah. And that really comes across, you know, through the music, through listening to things as a whole, like the compilation albums that you put out, listening through all of that, it, it has that unity and that very clear uh, voice that comes from Erase Tapes. Yeah, right. So you've achieved it, but it sounds like you've achieved it through not necessarily forcing anything, just purely coming from the things that you love that have gravitated towards you. And yeah, it's a fine line because as soon as it feels like forcing something, I have to step away. 
And that effort can often be actually more stressful than just going with that pressure. And there's a landscape and this kind of world that we live in, you know, capitalism as a general thing that obviously, you know, you have to get your head around how to make a, a home within that world and a platform that is sort of anti that, but also kind of lives, you know, alongside it because mm. you can't, you know, we had to integrate, like, there's no point in having this kind of underground. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, whatever. You know yeah. that that's that seems too extreme. Yeah. As well, we're not activists. No. Um, but again, yeah, it's, it's a fine line. It's, it's kind of like um, the stuff that feels effortless is, is often the stuff that actually involves most effort, and the other way around. Something yeah. that looks like a struggle is often actually just okay. a chance. Yeah. <laughs> like a glitch. Yeah. Like an accident. Yeah. Those are the best kind you of know. things. A happy accident. Yeah, and it's great. So um, how involved do you get with the actual art creation with each artist? And I suppose it varies, but um, mm. how hands-on are you? Well, let's put it that way. If you, if you imagine art being a channel, um, a filthy, really dirty kind of channels of, um, of options, it's like a stream, a constant stream of mud. Um, imagine that. And it's basically like if the artist has to jump in, I jump with him mm -hmm. or her, mm -hmm. you know because it's easier to get through that mud together, yeah. you know, and yeah. trying to spot that little bit of clear water where you can eventually kind of come to the surface. But as soon as you do that, you have to go back into the mud, you know, mm -hmm. like there's yeah. no, <laughs> there's no, there's yeah. no end to it, you know. Yeah. And, and the other way around is like, if, if I notice someone is in that moment where everything becomes really clear to just really point that out, so that it can be yeah. appreciated yeah. to prepare them for the mud, you know, um, and or push them into the mud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because if it becomes too comfortable, <laughs> the art suffers. Yeah. You must have to keep a very close eye on the stage of, you know, the creation of an album, for example, because mm. that moment of clarity might come for only a very brief window and it might be gone and they'll be back in the mud and they would have lost that, that kind of moment of like, that's, you know, this album. That's right. That's yeah. right. I mean, it's it's all about the journey, as with most things in life. And you know, if you can appreciate the mud, you can also appreciate the clear water moments. Yeah. yeah. And the tapping in and out of it can be really frequent, and it can take ages. Mm. It's another thing. It's like taking a plane and not knowing when it will land. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's great. Yeah, you got to be in it for the for the whole thing. And it and there's a lot of encouragement on both sides. For a while, I was the one who always like supported the art and the people behind it and then I have you know dark moments as well you know moments where I kind of question everything and and then it's kind of up to them to hopefully guide me a little bit uh -huh. and yeah yeah we all do it together and it's well, it's amazing that you've built this community around you after just really starting it by yourself through you know the MySpace universe it was started with rival consoles that's right yeah and then built up slowly and how many artists are on the roster now I don't know, I don't really count because it kind of seems a bit scary. Um, yeah. It's definitely um, a well-sized family uh, mm. tree by now. But, you know, it's also, again, it's not like we're all holding hands and we're like this peaceful family sitting at the table every night and celebrating our success, you know, yeah. like... Because <laughs> that image uh, is, yeah. not, is not really reality. And I'm glad it isn't because especially in this time and day, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be discussed. 
as in all good families, that's really what's happening. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of disagreement as well. And I really encourage that, you know, like, especially when it's, you know, across different generations. Like, like tonight, um, Lube Memelnik is playing here and he's been someone I, I truly felt honored to, to work with since 2012, I believe. Or, mm. You know, he's kind of obviously of a very different generation and there's so much to learn from him, but equally so much to kind of um, open his mind to as well. Yeah. And if that was kind of solved within a couple of meetings, mm. that all of a mm-hmm. sudden we understand each other, yeah. Yeah. and that's it, sure. you know, that would be incredibly boring. You, yeah. know? you do have to question stuff. And, and I think that's also a part of growing together as a strong tree, is to kind of really appreciate those moments mm. when people disagree with you, because they don't necessarily do that to, to wind you up. Sometimes, especially yeah. when a few drinks are involved, but <laughs> but often they're legitimately of a different opinion, yeah. and they also want to know why. You mm. know, mm. yeah, conversations, and and I guess half of our conversations happen through the music, you know, through artistic expression. Just to give you a really brief flavour of the Erase Tapes aesthetic, these were a few clips from the last compilation album that Erase Tapes put out, starting with Tassim Nakfi. Anne Muller. Daniel Thorne. Daniel Brandt. Patis Noe. consoles, also known as Ryan, the same Ryan being mentioned in our conversation. Douglas Dare. Sayoshi Fujita. The biggest value to what I think most artists on the race tapes contribute is that the music leaves you, you know, to imagine multiple things, mm, whole yeah. worlds, you know. That's the beauty of yeah. instrumental music or music where the, even the vocal is not, the, um, is not pushed. 
yeah, as a lead a texture as an instrument. Yeah. Um, so looking into the future, what plans might you have? Uh, you've set up the Sound Gallery in London, which is sort of an unusual thing for a, a record label to do. But are you planning anything unusual that might be pushing erase tapes into new realms that yeah. you can talk about? I mean, in fact, the the sound gallery is temporarily closed um, oh, for yeah. <laughs> no, but for that reason, because you know we've been running that for two years now, believe it or not. In March, it, we did the piano day event there, and that was kind of the closing of that space. We didn't really talk about it; it's not really public knowledge. But also, not everyone knows that place ever existed, mm -hmm. and that's deliberate yeah. as well. I didn't yeah. want it to become like a pilgrimage or something. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it was meant to be uh, a materialized version of, of the USF spirit, you know, and, mm. and to allow people to really understand it physically. Again, it was, you know, questioning, what are we? Are we just a digital label? Even though, of course, we do produce vinyl records and other formats, but, you know, just because we were born out of the digital age and the only opportunities to meet people is at concerts and in the digital realm, I kind of really questioned that and I really wanted to throw us into the into the water with that one. Mm -hmm. You know, let's see what happens. It's not a record shop, it's not an event space, it's not a cafe, it's not a workshop. It's all of these things, yeah. you know, and like a canvas, a 3D canvas. And that was really fun and we've put a lot of effort into it. Literally like doing all sorts of things like um, exhibitions of the artists that we collaborated with on album artwork and other things. Yeah, we did lectures, uh, workshops, we did beautiful events. We, we even did a regular like a monthly booklet, like a leaflet to give people a little bit more of yeah, things to take home and, and think about. And at some point I kind of just wondered like, okay, where is this going? And now I kind of put the dice back into the cup and just see what to do next yeah. you know is um i don't know somehow the current climate asks for something else i haven't figured it out yet mm -hmm. i'm uh, honest about this right now that there isn't um a concrete plan for for the next year but all i know is that we we want to contribute to the discussions that they are right now and we want to preserve art as much as we can allow people to to discover and explore together. And it's become increasingly difficult, you know, with all these current changes to the world. And mm. um, as it looks, there's been so many barriers being put back into action and it's yeah. kind of sad. Um, so yeah, so, you know, we gotta be even stronger than that to yeah. overcome those barriers and build bridges again. But yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited about the next year, I gotta say. Like yeah. all the artists okay. have been really productive. I myself have been working with a lot of them in recording sessions throughout the last couple of months and that's something that changed over the years as well. I'm not a sound engineer and I, to begin with I didn't really see myself as a producer but over the years I just had realized that I can again contribute if needed. I don't have to if it's already there but yeah and, and that's something I want to uh, facilitate more mm. as well because actually nowadays finding space for artists to not just rehearse, but to also write and to record and experiment is, is really rare, especially in a dense place like London. Um, mm. So that's been on my mind and a couple of other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I love these, you know, these events like tonight here in Stroud, like um, I think Hidden Notes is a really beautiful example of what you can do in rural England and, and other countries as well. And there has been a few that we've been involved with over the last few years. 
for example, Rupert's uh, Sea Change Festival in mm. Totnes. Uh, he runs a beautiful record shop, Drift. And then there's great guys at Neon Workshops in Wakefield, where we did a in the race tapes takeover. Wakefield, out of all places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. I yeah. really loved it so much because people were as surprised as us that someone in Wakefield would even want to put yeah. this on. And yeah. it was packed. You know, people were in such a great, attentive spirit, and mm. and they were so thankful that they didn't have to travel to London, Manchester, yeah. Leeds, whatever. Yeah. So we want to do more of that to show that it you know the world has kind of been upside down for a while and kind of put some things right again you know yeah and just now i just flew in from um, tbilisi in georgia where hattis noi performed in the opera house and it was incredible you know that that is another thing that i can't get my head around like of course it kind of makes sense that thanks to the internet there's people in those areas that discover our music mm. it's just especially in her you know at the point in her musical history where she hasn't even released a, a full-length record you know outside mm. of japan yet yeah. and people invited to come to like places like estonia lithuania and thailand you know and bucharest yeah. we were last week and it's, it's amazing because even i hadn't been and i've been in the music world for yeah over 12 years now and traveled with Niels, with Oli, with Ryan, with all of them. Even most of them never got to play those places. Yeah. And that's incredible when people come up to you and they kind of either recognize you or they ask you about the, the records on the table or, you know, just express their joy and excitement and appreciation for the artist coming. And, you know, Hattis Noid had to give hugs to like 50 people or so after the show. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Like really, really touching. Yeah. Um, I think that's really what it's about, you know. I don't really care if we sell one record or minus one. Yeah. <laughs> one gets nicked. <laughs> so as long as that happens, I think I think we're on the right path and I really think it's worth while doing this, keep, keep yeah. doing this. Yeah. So that's what we would do. <laughs> so that's it for part one of this special episode. Thoroughly enjoyed making it really genuinely had an amazing weekend and I'm really grateful that Alex and Adam invited me along had many great chats with many inspiring people accompanying us on the way out of this episode is a part of group listening's performance the first act on Saturday and therefore the Hidden Notes Festival openers as I said earlier the second part will be out in a few weeks look out for that it will have interviews with Dave Howell the label runner at 130701 Hattis Noe the vocalist that performed on the Sunday of the festival Claire M. Singer also performing on Sunday an amazing organist who I've been trying to get on the podcast for ages and finally the Sunday night headliner Lubomir Melnik they're all really interesting interviews so visit the Excuse the Mess website etmpodcast.com to stay in the loop of when that's going to come out you can also and you should follow Hidden Notes on Twitter at Hidden Notes Fest or visit their website hiddennotes.co.uk another place to keep an eye on things is Good on Paper at Good on Paper it's an independent arts focused magazine that is based in Stroud and helps set up the festival I just wanted to say a big thank you to Anastasios Antonio who came along with me to help out on the podcast and he couldn't have been more helpful and I'd also like to thank Acast for hosting this podcast this will be the first ever episode going out on their platform since I joined them as I've already mentioned I'll mention it again next week the second series of Excuse the Mess will be starting I'm really excited about the lineup launching the series with electronic artist Gold Panda and featuring some really amazing composers and music makers 
ones that have been very recently nominated for Emmys and Ivor Novello Awards, etc., etc. So please do subscribe to this podcast. You'll be getting lots of new things to listen to very soon. There's also the previous episodes, which feature lots of really brilliant artists, and I recommend checking those out as well. And only a couple of months ago, all the music that was created in that first series has been released as an album, so you can seek that out in all the usual places. So thank you for listening to this. It'd be really amazing if you use this podcast to spread the word about Hidden Notes. Alex and Adam, the organisers, put on just such a brilliant weekend, so they deserve as much credit as they can get. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully you'll be back next week. <laughs>